1: inside to outside repairs to renovations get started on the
0: angie
2: app or visit angie.com today you can do this when you angie
1: that palestinians are using bitcoin to transact across borders good evening i'm bailey reitzel and this is late confirmation from coindesk bringing you the top stories from september 18th 2018 On today's show, another stablecoin, this time anchored to the Japanese yen. And we'll take a look at a decentralized exchange that's adapting its underlying technology to allow merchants to accept payments in any Ethereum token. At the end of the show, I'll be joined by Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn to speak about how Palestinians are using Bitcoin and what still remains a hurdle for them in adopting the cryptocurrency. But first, a word from our sponsor.
0: Master financial technology online with the 10-week Oxford Fintech program. Interacting with an international cohort of business leaders and over 60 guest experts, you'll gain a practical introduction to key financial technologies and their business applications. Find out more at OxfordExecFintech.com.
1: Palestinian residents in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank are adopting Bitcoin for everything from sending money abroad to buying stocks in other countries and also shopping online. Politically and economically isolated from the rest of the world because of a longstanding conflict with Israel, Palestinians are finding cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, as a useful alternative. But there are still hurdles. For instance, no online crypto exchange works with Palestinian banks, and as such, the residents don't have easy on-and-off ramps into crypto. In reality, this means people put a lot of trust in their local crypto dealers. In addition to that, frequent power outages in the area make not only Bitcoin, but any electronic money system not always ideal. Nevertheless, the local enthusiasts, like those that are part of a nonprofit called Palestine Technopark, are optimistic. The Technopark hosted its first blockchain boot camp in early September, with 29 participants ranging from students to entrepreneurs to government officials. By the end of the five-day boot camp, several developers were working on new applications to allow better access to Bitcoin in Palestine. Our reporter, Lee Quinn, has been reporting on the story and will join us later to discuss. Next up. A blockchain fund backed by the government of the Chinese city of Hangzhou is planning to roll out a stablecoin pegged to the Japanese yen. Yao Yangji, head of Grand Shores Technology, said the company is planning to raise HK 100 million, or $12.7 million, to help finance the project. Now the fund is seeking contributions in Tether from accredited investors outside of China. Grand Shores recently got listed in Hong Kong via a reverse takeover of a Singapore construction firm called SHIS. Founding partners of the fund are already working with a mid-tier bank in Japan for the project, although the name of that bank is not public yet. As Yao told Coindesk, in the future, the fund might also develop stablecoins anchored to the Hong Kong and Australian dollars as well. Did you know there are more than 119,000 Ethereum-based tokens? While most of those are used among small communities of enthusiasts or purely for speculation, Kyber Network hopes to make those tokens useful for something much broader, that being merchant payments. Kyber Network, which is best known for its decentralized exchange, is taking the technology that makes its DEX function and adapting that to purchases so that merchants can accept and then automatically convert, or users can convert and then pay with any Ethereum-based token. The co-founder and CEO, Loy Liu, calls it an on-chain liquidity protocol, one allowing instant conversions between tokens through the use of liquidity providers that commit tokens and even ETH to a pool that can then be withdrawn from at any time. And this all happens on-chain and doesn't rely on a trusted intermediary. According to Liu, quote, since the vast majority of interesting payment patterns and financial use cases require multiple token swaps between several parties, this mechanism is critical in enabling innovation in many classes of decentralized applications, end quote. If you're listening to this on Singapore Standard Time, then today is the first day of Consensus Singapore. We'll be recapping it on this program, of course, and covering it on our site, Coindesk.com, as well as on our Twitter account. And if you are in the region and still haven't bought tickets, it's not too late. Register today at coindesk.com slash events or in person at the Marina Bay Sands. Bitcoiners and crypto enthusiasts of all kinds have another scenario to point to when asked why the technology can not only be revolutionary, but also life-saving. Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank are using Bitcoin, one, because there's sometimes no other alternative, and two, because of the technology's resistance to censorship. This latter piece is especially important to Palestinians, a population with restricted access to the global economy amid the ongoing conflict with Israel. And here with us today is Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn to tell us more about this growing use case for Bitcoin. Lee, can you recount all the pain points your sources relayed to you as it relates to money movement or making payments? Okay. Um,
2: yeah, so different Palestinian communities will have different pain points. For example, if you're living in Gaza, you could have some times where you only have a few hours of electricity a day, and the borders are really tightly controlled. So that's imports and exports for both things like hardware and for people, right? Like you can't get in or out. If you're in the West Bank, all of the banking services there are in some ways controlled or... Um, influenced by foreign banks because there is no Central Bank of Palestine. For example, they only got 3G access this year due to um, an Israeli ban from previously. So in the West Bank, what you have is really restricted and censored access to global economy. Um, In Gaza, you have very limited access to digital infrastructure at all. And for Palestinians living anywhere in between, whether in diaspora or in um, Israeli-occupied territories, then you have the issue of citizenship and documentation when it comes to trying to get a bank account.
1: Okay. Yeah. And many in our audience will have heard of stories of Bitcoin becoming popular in other Middle Eastern countries. So is this basically just another region um, in that part of the world adopting Bitcoin? Or are there differences between Palestinians' use of Bitcoin versus those in Turkey or Iran?
2: Yeah. So Turkey and Iran both have central banks with national currencies. So a lot of those users are looking to hedge against inflation. Palestinians do not have a central bank with a national currency at the moment. So they're usually looking to Bitcoin for international transactions.
1: Cool. And if the main v- value proposition is censorship resistance, are people concerned that crypto will be used to fund terrorism in that region? I've done a lot of research into the ways that different extremist groups use emerging technologies and digital
2: infrastructures online. And I have absolutely zero concerns about Bitcoin being any more dangerous than PayPal, for example. And PayPal doesn't even work in the Palestinian territories. I am deeply, deeply concerned about the lack of access to the global economy that most Palestinians have. So I don't think that there should be any safety concerns. There are definitely human rights concerns.
1: Gotcha. So ultimately, what is the potential impact of crypto that crypto could have on the Palestinian economy?
2: So the biggest issue right now for the Palestinian economy is unemployment. In Gaza, it's above 43%. In the West Bank, it's above 18%. There is this huge pool of untapped, highly educated, often multilingual, um, unemployed people who could be receiving payments from abroad, working remotely, or able to sell their goods and services in ways that are less restricted than they are today if crypto became more widespread.
1: Cool. Cool. Thanks for relaying that story, Lee. To learn more, visit coindesk.com and stay tuned to Lee's coverage by following her on Twitter at L-A underscore underscore C U E N.
0: Late confirmation is brought to you by Oxford University's Saeed Business School. You can now study fintech entirely online with Oxford University's Said Business School. The 10-week program gives you the tools you need to build the future of transactions and commerce. You'll explore emerging technologies that will disrupt marketplaces and financial services and examine the state of the industry and plan disruptive intra- and entrepreneurial interventions. Throughout the program, you'll be exposed to key ideas, principles, and frameworks from CEOs of leading startups, corporate leaders, and instructional leaders at the forefront of research in the space of future commerce and transactions. Find out more at OxfordExecFintech.com.
1: For more on today's stories and to subscribe to our newsletter, check out Coindesk.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Coindesk. And if you're looking specifically for me, I'm at BLR13 on Twitter. Plus, if you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For Coindesk, I'm Bailey Reitzel, and this has been Late Confirmation.
0: The Podglomer, a sonic universe.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator